This is M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. It's the most wonderful time of the week again with Marcos Melissa's founder of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast, founder of Civics with a Q, the largest and most successful polling firm, and the host of the still rather new podcast, The Brief. Download it wherever you get your podcast. It is very, very popular as well. In fact, the most popular podcast in the world. Marcos Melissa's joins us. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're, we're still batting 333. Not bad for baseball. Not bad for baseball. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. So the infrastructure bill and – well, let's start there. What, how, what does that mean going forward? What, what, do you, what do you think in terms of the Senate and what's going to take place and, and what does it do for Democrats politically? I mean, I'll start with that second half. Right now, we're seeing legitimately Joe Biden's popularity is going down. Uh, the Republican strategy has been to delay and to obstruct and to slow things down. So Biden got stuff accomplished early in his presidency and people loved it, right? He was popular. The longer things drag out without any new progress, the, the more his numbers are falling. And, and you know, civics tracked daily. You can even go to civics.com, civics with a Q, and you can see that Biden's numbers, particularly among independents. Democrats are pretty solid. There's There's been a little bit of loss of support, but they're pretty solid. Republicans always hated them, and they that won't change. So it's all in the independents. And independents are becoming increasingly disenchanted with the Biden presidency, and his numbers are thus coming down. That is a problem because we have an election next year, which will be in large part a referendum on Joe Biden. So mm. yes, anybody, any Democrat, what, what do Democrats need to do? And of course, the answer is always you got to show results. So you have a narrow congressional majority. Both, both chambers are very narrowly Democratic. In the Senate, we don't even have a functional majority. We have a, we have a de facto majority, right? But with Cinema and Joe Manchin, everything is difficult. And yeah. what we have then is we need to we need to pass this. We're talking about four and a half trillion dollars that would radically transform the American economy, make it more equitable, shift the burden from the poor to the rich. I mean, there's so much good in these two pieces of legislation, both the, the stupid bipartisan infrastructure bill, but the more even substantive, I forget what, it, what they're calling it right now, but the $3.5 trillion spending bill. So it has to pass. It has to pass. And that way, Democrats have something tangible to point to as they run for re-election next year. Now, unfortunately, we have Joe Manchin, and even more unfortunately, we have Kristen Sinema in Arizona. And Manchin, we talk about it every week. I, I get Manchin. It's a 30, 40-point Trump state. We shouldn't have a Democratic senator from West Virginia. We're lucky that we have as much as we have. And I got to say that mo for the most part, he's played ball. He's been in a-hole about the whole process, but he has actually voted for things when necessary. Cinema though, has no excuse. She has no excuse. Her state is turning, it, it, Biden won the state, it's trending blue in a very dramatic fashion, and she's acting like this is Barry Goldwater's Arizona from 40 years ago, and it's it's clearly not anymore. Now, Cinema's talking about, I won't vote for $3.5 trillion in spending. And even Manchin's made some obnoxious noises about that, but they won't tell you why. They won't. That's the problem, right? right. It, for them, it's beaten up on the liberals. That's too much. 
you know, and, and so I hope Democrats challenge her and him to point out exactly what in those spending bills they want to pull out because it's not about substantive differences and like, I think that's a waste of money or I don't think that's a priority we should be spending money on. It literally, they think that by going from a $3.5 trillion spending bill to just some arbitrarily smaller number, that there's some voter somewhere that's going to reward them for being an obstructionist a-hole. And that person does not exist. So this is going to be the challenge moving forward. The good thing is Biden has a lot invested in this. And we've talked about it before. I think it's helpful that Biden's an old white guy. Because mm. if it was President Warren, you know, Manchin would be, he would he would be having a ball yeah, being yeah, an obstructionist yeah. a-hole. I think it's harder for him to do so with, uh, with Joe Biden. And so... Um, what that prognosis is, who knows? But um, I think we're at a point, and I think progressives in Congress are playing it very, very smartly by tying the bipartisan bill with the $3.5 trillion spending bill, because it's all or nothing. It basically, everybody gets something that they want, or nobody gets anything that they want. And let's see if Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are really going to tank all, including the bipartisan spending bill, if they're going to tank everything because of their little irrational and it truly is irrational there's no polling that shows that it's a smart position there's no interest group that's pushing for a reduced spending bill i mean there's republicans but they're they're pushing for zero they're pushing for you know what are they gonna push for tax cuts for billionaires that's what they're gonna push for there's no constituency pulling for what joe manchin and kirsten sam are doing so let's see if they really are willing to tank everything and thus the democratic majorities next year because, Mark, we've talked about it. I mean, we talked about the polling. Cinema's not looking good right now. She's not going to get reelected in her current trajectory. So she mm-hmm. needs to radically transform her behavior and start playing ball or she's gone. She doesn't survive a primary. She doesn't survive a general election right now. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it used to be that a, a president could leverage infrastructure, leverage jobs and building projects with elected officials to get something done. Uh, wh- why does that not work in, 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 in this era? Because Republicans made a big deal out of eliminating the whole pork process. Remember pork? pork yeah. It was yeah, all yeah. about buying votes. It's saying, yeah. you give me your vote, I'm going to give you $3 million for this bridge in your district. Now, you don't vote for me, you don't get that $3 million. So there was a lot of horse trading. By eliminating pork in the House you basically took away that leverage and the house became what has become now, which is an ideological chamber as opposed to a practical one focused on trying to deliver for people. Now, um, I think Pelosi has sort of changed that. People are getting projects in their districts, you know, because even Republicans have gotten stuff and they try to claim credit for it, even though they vote for the underlying legislation, but they're trying to get away from that. And I think the idea of eliminating pork might've seemed like a good idea at the time, but I think in retrospect, it's, it's very clear that all it has done is made the house more ideologically guided mm-hmm. as opposed to a chamber that is actually looking to benefit its constituents. Because if, if you're gonna vote for the guy who's gonna you know, rail against black people, or you're gonna vote for the guy who is a nice guy, and neither of them can deliver anything specific for your district, you know, then it's easier for these white conservatives to vote for the racist white guy than for the practical, good government, functional human being. (laughs) Now you change that, you allow for pork, and then it becomes a much more difficult, I think, dilemma. Do you vote for the dialogue or do you vote for the guy who's going to actually bring money and jobs to your district? 
that mm-hmm. then becomes mm-hmm. a much different equation. But that's not where yeah. we're at right now. More MIP after this message. So, as you said, it boils down to Mansion Cinema, and we'll see who they really are, whether they're going to just hold up everything for the sake of what... I, I mean, I still don't know why they really do what they do, uh, especially cinema, because as you said, Arizona has changed. Rem Barber is back to West Virginia this week before we all gather the Lincoln Memorial this Saturday. He's still staying on Mansion, still, you know, hitting him in his home state, which is, uh, which is very, very important. Uh, and as you alluded to, also as a part of this process, there were some con- conservadems, so to speak. Joan McCarter refers to him as a sabotage squad. You know, because we, so Rem Barber and I met with Nancy Pelosi yesterday morning, and she talked about some in her caucus who weren't really with her at first, and how it was helpful for those of us who've been involved in the street actions. Folks, those things help. They complement what happens on the inside, the inside-outside strategy. And she said it was close because some of those people weren't going along. But some of those people were, some of those conservatives were under the influence of Manchin and Cinema. They were encouraged, were they not, by Manchin and Cinema to be somewhat obstructionist, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, explicitly. Ex- they explicitly applauded their, you know, that obstructionism. The thing that is different now is that once upon a time, that would, that would have sort of paralyzed the Democratic Party. And all the discussion would have been about how will progressives get nothing or will they get something by by acceding to the demands of this sort of middle. That has changed. Both uh, Pelosi and Biden leaned very heavily on these on these. I think it was 10 Democrats who were creating trouble. And here's the thing is that the progressive caucus, they played it very smartly. They basically said, you guys are the ones that are electorally endangered. So you're the ones that get nothing. They didn't have to say it, but those progressives, most of them, if not all of them, represent very safe Democratic districts. So they have nothing to fear. Their specific jobs, they have nothing to fear. It is mm-hmm. those 10 sort of moderates, which are all in very competitive, difficult districts. They're the ones that need to deliver something to their constituents to be able to win right. the election. And so they, the progressives sort of flipped the script and said, you get nothing. You either, and what's really frustrating, Mark, about this whole, these 10 progressives in Mansion and Cinema, again, this is not a practical complaint about the spending bills. This is, they're not looking at and saying this clause, this clause, and this clause, I don't think that's the best use of of taxpayer money. That's not what's going on here. They're basically looking at what liberals want, which is X amount of money, and they're looking at what Republicans want, which is zero or negative, more tax cuts for the rich. Mm-hmm. And then they like split the, you know, they split the baby, right? They, 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 they're, they're so moderate because they're, they're right in the middle. But that's not based on any, any good policy. It's not based on good politics. It's not based on practicality. There is nothing more beyond it, more than empty rhetoric about being in the middle. And they think that they can then go back to the district and say, yeah, we're not, we're not like AOC and we're not like those Tea Party Republicans or QAnon Republicans. We're, we're like in the middle. So we're not scary. <laughs> and, and it's frustrating because it, that it's empty. There's nothing there. Yeah. We're not scary and we have nothing to give you either. We haven't well, produced that's the, the other piece. It, it, <laughs> if you poll and and people and I think it was it was uh, Data for Progress, which is a very very good pollster. They polled those districts, and the spending is very popular because spending money on on infrastructure and jobs and things like uh, the child tax credit making that permanent 
those things are popular. No matter where you pull them, you can pull it. You can pull Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, and that stuff is popular. And so these people, they're not saying like, they're not looking. I, I wish, you know, you talk about politicians who, you know, put their finger up in the wind to see which way the winds are blowing. I wish they did that. Because if they did that, they would know this is popular. This is the reason Joe Biden is pushing it so hard. He understands if this was not popular, Joe Biden would not be pushing it. Yeah. So he is pushing it. The party is <laughs> pushing it. There is almost, there is, this is, this is not the old Democratic Party that used to frustrate us, Mark. This is a new Democratic Party that gets it, except for a handful of people. And the problem we have now is that those handful of people are the margin of victory. And mm -hmm. so to solve that problem, it's not about changing the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is already there for the most part, obviously, around the edges. But for the most part, Democratic Party is already there. What we need to do is we need to build on majorities, which is going to be tough because it's a midterm election, first term president, history is against us, that Republicans are working so hard to suppress the vote. And uh, we have gerrymandering coming up ahead of us, right? So there's all these factors that are going to stand in the way of us expanding. Oh, and then there's the Senate, which of course, as America becomes, as rural areas empty out, it means that those leftovers in places like the Dakotas and Nebraska are going to have even more influence even though the states are losing population. So West Virginia literally lost population. So we have all these institutional disadvantages facing us. We have to overcome them. And it's not fair and it sucks and it's not right and it's not democratic. And yet that's the reality of our situation. And if we were to somehow able to pull through we can motivate our people to turn out and vote if we build those majorities. And we're not even talking a lot, right? We need two, three seats in the Senate. We can do it. It's yeah. incredibly hard. I'm not going to say it's likely, but it's possible. Right. Yeah. If we can survive redistricting and voter suppression to grow our majority in the House, then things that we've been talking about, like D.C. statehood, maybe Puerto Rico statehood, a, voting, a real voting rights bill, banning partisan gerrymandering, all those things can then happen. And it becomes a much different political situation overnight. We can even pack the Supreme Court, pack that sucker, just expand it. <laughs> right. Expand right. it, change the composition. Of, there's so much we can do to reshape American politics, but it really all comes down to an election in and off year when historically the party in power loses seats. And we as Democrats have a hard time getting our base vote to turn out period, and especially so in a midterm election. So there's all, there's so much opportunity, Mark, but there's so many challenges, and Republicans know this, which is why they're working so hard to obstruct, to delay, to uh, suppress, right. and to make it to frustrate liberals so that they don't want to turn out next year the way they did not turn out in 2010. And cinema and mansion are playing along with them, and I will not, I will never understand why they think that's a good choice good course of action. More MIP after this message. Not a lot of time left, but Afghanistan, there's been a shift, obviously. At one point, people were almost unanimously in favor of a pullout. Now that's flipped. I honestly, Marcos, blame the Beltway and the corporate media for that. The way they have portrayed it, because there were different ways to portray this. No one has ever, not never before in history, have that many people been airlifted in such a brief period of time. That's an objective fact. But instead, it's being presented as just a, a crisis 
and something that Biden is at fault for doing. And it's just bedlam. But I mean, it's like thousands of people and they're not finished. 25,000 yesterday alone. We're talking yeah. about 75,000 since the airlift began. And the first few days, yeah, were chaotic because <laughs> nobody expected the Taliban to just sweep in with zero opposition. So there's a lot of criticize about not starting this earlier and about a lot of red tape preventing some of the stuff, you know, we should have been processing this months ago. And, you know, we at Daily Coach were arguing about that months ago. So this is not Monday morning quarterbacking. Like we knew that we needed to get those people out. Everybody knew the Taliban was going to take over. They just expected to take a couple months. That said, once the operation was organized, and it took a couple of days because you don't organize, you don't plan overnight. But once that it was organized, it is an incredible logistical feat. And it's I'm in awe of the numbers that they're moving right now. I mean, 25,000 yesterday alone, is just it just blows your mind. Yeah. And CNN, there's a reporter who was, who was like, the Biden administration says they want 50,000 out by, by the end of the month. And there's no way they can do that. You know, they, they're at 75,000 now and there's still six days left in the, in the month, you know, as we, as we, as we take this. And so it's a little bit infuriating to see that kind of coverage. And there's no, like, they're not saying like, oops, we screwed up. Like this is pretty impressive. No, they're not going to say that. Everybody's going to Monday morning quarterback. But the fact that the Taliban took the country as quickly as it did, I think really justifies Biden's decision to get out because we were not helping create a democratic Afghanistan. We were propping up a puppet regime with insufficient public support, clearly. (laughs) And it is awful what's happening. And I feel for every woman and girl that's going to have to suffer through Taliban government. But... It was, we were spending, I think, um, I think we were spending about $200 million a day. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that say that we don't have money to think, do things like forgive student debt and we don't have money to take care of people. But $200 million a day in Afghanistan was, was sort of, and so I actually, I know you're talking about some polls that people are a little horrified right now, but Morning Console, which is a pretty decent pollster, polling for the New York Times asked the most loaded question possible. They said, do you still support pulling out of Afghanistan if it means that ISIS and Al-Qaeda, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was basically, if we pull out, the world's going to explode and die. Do you still support it? And there was still majority support for pulling out. It was, it was, it was something right. like 45 to pull out and 40% to not pull out with the most loaded possible question. I think the reality is if you ask the question, just like I said, do you use pulling out or spending $200 million to prop up a puppet regime with insufficient public support, I don't think the the numbers would be there. And, and quite frankly, I, I think this is politically, it's not going to be an issue. It's, it's, it's a human rights catastrophe. I don't think anybody is going to deny that. But the U.S. can't police every human rights catastrophe around the world. We, we can't be the world's police policemen. And, and this is just another reminder that every time we try to do nation building, um, it doesn't really turn out so well. Yeah, 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 I agree. Folks, check out The Brief every week. Also, download it wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Civics with the Q. And of all, as always, be sure to check in with DailyCoast.com if you are not already signed up for alerts, if you're not already a citizen there in the largest online progressive community. Marcos Melissa's is always our guest. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, please be safe. The Delta variant is serious. We're not over this yet. See you guys next week. This Saturday at the Lincoln Memorial, folks.
for the first time probably in any major protest demonstration and definitely at the Lincoln, we will be giving free vaccines. So if you come to to the Make Good Trouble rally with us Saturday, you're not vaccinated, we're gonna do an altar call and you can get vaccinated there on the spot. All right, folks, so just keep that in mind. The, the Mark was right, this Delta is not playing. We also all are still praying for Reverend and Mrs. Jackson, as well as they are battling COVID in the hospital right now and all those who are struggling. So we'll, we uh, keep everyone in our prayers. Thanks, Marcos. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been May Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.